Thanks, Aaron. I'm back. Hey, <laughs> so you get to listen to me again. Awesome. Hey, look, you're all there in the middle. That's awesome. Beautiful. Well done. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, this is our final in our series called Our House, God's House. I hope you've been enjoying it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great topic. I love the house of God. I just love the possibility there is in us coming together and what we can do as a people. And uh, just up and down this nation and around the world, right now there are people gathering together and believing for great things. And and lives are being changed. Lives are being touched. And that's the power of the church. And it's what Jesus died for. It's what Jesus came for to establish. And uh, we are a part of that story. It's not over yet. It's so exciting. And um, there's, a, there's a number of images that the Bible uses to talk about the body of Christ. Oh, yeah, I've just given away what the image was. To talk about the house of God. And it's the body of Christ. Oh, look at that. So the body is actually the, and that's why I slipped into it, because the body is the predominant image in the New Testament that Paul uses to talk about the church. It is the body of Christ. And so I actually want to unpack that today. Um, Because in a previous life, I was a physiotherapist. Um, So I know a lot about the body. In a previous life, I mean like three three months ago. Um, But I've left that life far behind. Um, No, who knows? One day I might need the money and I'll go back to it. But um, at the moment, I'm no longer a physio. But I, I studied and I worked with the body a lot. And I know a little bit, only a little bit, about how incredible the body is. And I know there's, there's surgeons in here who know a lot more uh, about uh, the body, but I, I know a lot about how it moves and how it operates, how it works together, because that was my job. And just how every bone and ligament and tendon and muscle come together to allow us to do just what we take for granted. Allow me to actually stand upright but be bipedal and walk around. It's, it's, it's incredible, actually, how our body does that, how you can just be sitting there, breathing, able to manipulate your phone um, to take notes. That was a hint. Um, able to communicate. That was also a hint. Able to encourage with your voices. Just it's incredible what the body can do. Able to cheer and shout. Yeah, all those things. It's actually incredible. And so it's only right that the, the Bible uses this most powerful image. I think it is the most powerful image. Um, for the church, because it is an incredible thing that we often just take for granted, much like the church. And we touched on a little week, a little, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I, I talked about the body, but I want to delve into it some more because there's some amazing stuff in there. And there's actually heaps of different scriptures that refer to the body. So, are you ready? You got your notes? Got your got your devices ready? Um, my first point from the image of the body in, in the New Testament is this. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We as a body are all about Jesus. Colossians 1, 17 and 18 says this. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So the church exists 
for Jesus, the head, not the other way around. And, and he is to have, it says there, supremacy. So in our church, he is to be number one. He is the head. He is the brain, if you like. And he tells us what to do, or at least he should. When it doesn't happen like that, that's when we have problems. The amazing thing about your brain, though, is that even the automatic things that we do, like our digestion or our breathing, they're operated by our brain. And you don't have conscious control of it. Because you've noticed, perhaps you've noticed, that when you go to sleep, you don't stop breathing. And you're not conscious of having to go, yeah, in, two, three, four, out, two, three, four. You don't have to think about it. Your body does it automatically. And I love that idea that actually in Jesus, it says there in verse 17, all things hold together. There's, a, there's actually an underlying thing that's going on in the background of the church where Jesus is holding it all together. He's keeping us breathing. He's keeping us digesting. He's keeping us growing as a, as a body. He's just working away in the background. Now, there's those automatic functions, but there's also our, our deliberate movements, our deliberate uh, function that, that our brain gives us, you know, we decide to do things. And that's also Jesus for the church. That's also Jesus telling us what to do. And, and without Jesus telling us what to do, both automatic and, and, um, and deliberate, then we would be dead, right? It's actually that serious. Like without Jesus, we're dead. Without a brain, you're dead, right? And, and that's actually, sadly, what, what can happen to a church. If, if we just if we throw Jesus out or we, we neglect him, then it becomes about religious activity. We, come, we become a club and we just kind of do social things. But actually, we're dead as a body if we don't have Jesus telling us what to do. We don't have Jesus guiding us. And too often, unfortunately, the, the tail wags the dog. And we're kind of like, no, Jesus, you do this for us. And uh, you do this. And we'll, we'll just we'll follow you if it suits us or if you, uh, you toe the line. But actually, how many of you know that in, in your body, the head calls the shots? Right? You might talk about your heart. I follow my heart. But really, your heart isn't, you know, your heart is a pump. It's your brain <laughs> that's actually telling you. It's your emotions that you think are your heart. But they're actually just emotions coming from your brain. Uh, and, and it's the same in the body of Christ. That actually it's, it's Jesus who's telling us, who's guiding us what to do. Now, you go, well, how do we know? How do we know what Jesus as the head is telling us as the body what to do? Well, there's a few different ways. You might have heard of the Bible. That is a key way that, that God tells us as the body how we should operate, how what we should do. The Holy Spirit is the way we interpret that Bible. Like the Holy Spirit is essentially giving, giving context and life to the words of the Bible for our everyday life. And without that, if you just read the Bible as a historical document without the Holy Spirit, then you get into all sorts of problems. You become very legalistic and you also probably lose track of things because the Holy Spirit in community... It helps guide us as to what the body says. So, so that's the other key thing is us together as the body. There's, your body's always giving your brain feedback. 
I know that my leg is out like this because I can feel it, because there's feedback going back up here. You know that my leg is out like that because you can see it. There's always, your, your body's always giving you feedback to your brain. The body of Christ is always giving feedback to, the, to Jesus, I guess. And there's an interaction there. So how do we know what we should do? Well, we read the Bible, we pray together, we listen to the Holy Spirit, and we ask one another, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. And you go, well, is that a good idea? I don't know if you should do that. Or, hey, yeah, that's awesome. I really get a sense that's what God's got for you. So we, we test things in that way. But what happens if we get disconnected from the head? Well, the Bible talks about it. Colossians 2. Flick over uh, a page. Colossians 2, 18 and 19 says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. It's a bit of a worrying image. Like a disconnected head. Headless bodies wandering around. No one else finds that disturbing, okay? Uh, that's, it's, zombie Christians are not healthy, right? When we lose connection with the head, it's not good. And in this, and in this age, more than any other, I think a lot of people in the church are losing their head. Conspiracy theories are everywhere. On the left and on the right. And your social media feed like there are, there are algorithms working in the background to feed on your specific fears, your specific lusts and broken desires and your emotional wounds. And they will tap into those problems that you have and enlarge them and you'll start listening to them and you will get distracted and you will get off on some tangent and you'll get caught. And you'll become one of these people who, who have idle notions in their unspiritual minds. It's a dangerous world out there, church. And we need to stay connected to Jesus, the heads. And when we spend too much time, because how many of you know, we probably spend far more time getting input from our secular devices than we do from the Word of God. Now, I know you can have the Word of God on your secular device, but how much time are you spending on that in comparison? Like you can do, you can, you have an app, you can have an app on your phone that will tell you how many minutes you spent reading Olive Tree Bible Reader and how many minutes you were on Facebook. And I, I bet, I bet that it would tell an interesting story. It would for me too. Like I'm not just pointing the finger. Um, but I think we need, we need to flip that. We need to keep coming back to the Word. We need to keep coming back to Jesus as the head of our church. And I just encourage you, 10 minutes... 10 minutes a day where you read a scripture, it can be a single verse, and then just sit in God's presence and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me through this for 10 minutes. None of you are so busy you can't spare 10 minutes to be with Jesus and just see what he says in that space. Because I think all those worries and stresses and, and crazy conspiracy theories and whatever else is going on in your brain will calm themselves down and you'll get some clarity and you'll get some, some, some vision from the head of our body, Jesus. Okay? So, 
Number one, the church as the body has got to all be about Jesus. Number two, the second thing that I would say about that Paul talks a lot about in the in, when he's talking about the body of Christ is that the body is diverse. The body is diverse, and therefore don't rob it of you. Don't rob us of you. I'm going to read you a decent chunk of, bless you, uh, of Scripture here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would that body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. You feel like Paul's just going around and around in circles talking about this. But he's really clear. He wants to make this point known that there is a diversity in the body of Christ. And that is how it should be. And there are many other denominations meeting today in Timaru that do things differently to us. There are Baptists and Anglicans and Catholics and Presbyterians and, and other evangelicals. And we're all in this together. To quote Jacinda, they are us. We are them. We are actually part of the same body. But it even goes far beyond that because around the world today, there are so many different expressions of the church. Greek Orthodox, Coptic, Russian Orthodox, underground house churches in China and Iran. There There are churches that worship in ways that we would think are weird and strange. And they would think the same of us. Does that make us right and them wrong? No. They are just different expressions of the same body. Because the body of the church, capital C, is diverse. It, it's, it looks very different. And that's good. That's how it should be. And even within our one local expression, there is diversity. There's diversity of age of sex, of ethnicity, of background, of culture, and of, and of gifts and abilities and roles. If we read on in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul keeps going. He says in verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. For one thing, they can't talk because they're a hand and a foot. But on the contrary, these parts of the body they, that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. So some parts are more vulnerable, are weaker than others. And actually, he talks about the foot there. This passage is actually for all you people who love footwear, who love buying shoes, Richie Wire. This passage is for you. <laughs> because 
they get treated with special honor. They get bought fancy Air Jordans um, because they're just ugly feet. Uh, <laughs> as the early church writer, Chrysostom, put it like this. He said, when a thorn enters the heel, the whole body feels it and is concerned. The back bends, the belly and thighs contract themselves. The hands come forward and draw out the thorn. The head stoops and the eyes regard the affected member with intense gaze. You see, when one parts... Is affected. The whole body is affected. There's an interdependence that is right, that is correct for the body of Christ. We have a diversity, and that is awesome, but we need to not rob each other of this diversity. And you might think, sitting here, man, I don't feel like I'm the same as these guys. That's good. I don't want a church of robots. Jesus doesn't want a church of robots. He wants a, a church that, it, that represents his body on, on the earth, and that is diverse. So we've got to embrace that and go, yeah, they're from a different country. Yeah, they, they speak with a, a, a different um, accent. Or, yeah, they're older than me, they're younger than me. They believe different things around this topic, or they support a different team in whatever your chosen sport. That's fine. That's healthy. But what I really want you to get today is that you are needed as an expression of the body of Christ. You are needed. God wants you in his body. You are vital. And, and the, the interesting thing is very hidden, obscure parts are actually more vital than the ones that we give glory to. Right? Like your gallbladder, far more important than your bicep. But what gets the glory? Maybe not mine. Maybe Richie's. But, you know, you're laughing far too hard for that joke. But uh, your pancreas, your kidneys, your internal organs, your liver, they are vital. You come, become very unwell, possibly even die when they don't work. And yet, what glory do they get? <laughs> None. And the church, I think, is like this. I think actually often the church is, is unhealthy because there are bits missing. The church in Aotearoa, the church in the world, but the church right here. Now we could be healthier. I'll just put it out there. We could be healthier as a church, but some of the parts of the body are not contributing in the way they should be. Now, maybe you're sitting there and thinking, well, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really a singer. Um, that's fine. If you're not a singer, we don't want you on backing vocals. Because that would be like trying to walk on your eyeballs. It would be painful. Painful for all involved. So, so we don't want that. But there is a way that you can serve. Come and have a chat with me. I would love to, to talk to you about what, how you can contribute. And, it, and it's not just on a Sunday. There are things beyond here gathering for you know, an hour and a half on a Sunday. But don't rob the body of the benefit of you. In fact, I'll go a step further and say, if you're a Christian here today, you're, you're excused if you're not a Christian. If, if you don't call this your home, then, then you're excused. But if you're a follower of Christ and you call this your home, then if you're not contributing in some way, and we talk about, in Equipers, we talk about our time, our talents, and our treasure uh, as you know, three Ts that we kind of can contribute in, then I'd say, well, what are you doing? We don't have long here on this earth. We have a mission as a church, and we need everybody to be involved in that. So don't rob Christ of your role 
as part of the body. And I would even go so far as don't rob me and don't rob the person sitting next to you. And you go, how do I rob you? Well, Romans 12 says this in verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and get this, and each member belongs to all the others. You belong to me. (laughs) You're mine. (laughs) But I belong to you. We belong to one another. And we rob one another when we don't contribute. When we go, well, I'm not a hand. Therefore, I'm not going to walk. Well, you're a foot. You need to walk. I've only got two of you. (laughs) I'm hopping otherwise. You need to walk. I don't care if you can't do what the hand can do. I need you to walk. But you could go, you could list any, any body part. The body, and Paul says that. He says, oh, you know, a hand can't say to a foot, I don't need uh, any body part. You can't go, oh, well, I'm not needed here in the church. Yes, you are. Because you are you. There's no one else who is you. So therefore, you are welcome and you have a part to play. Come and talk to me about what that part is so we don't make you walk on eyeballs trying to sing. But there is a role for you. Okay, I've, I've said enough. I want, I want to be mobbed in the foyer afterwards by people going, Dave, what can I do? And I may have to think hard, <laughs> but I'm sure we can find a way for you to get involved. Number three. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say this, so I've just said. Number three, feel them feels. Feel them feels. We're talking about the body of Christ. The body has feelings. And I just want to focus on this one verse. Um, so we're still going through that passage in, in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians. In verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This one little sentence actually covers a whole lot in the life of the body. If you think about it, it's two large issues. Firstly, how we are connected to one another. And secondly, how we compare ourselves with one another. Because if we're not connected, then we don't feel any pain. Like if you chop off your arm, you're going to be feeling pain, but the, 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 pain, <laughs> the pain for the arm has stopped because <laughs> it's not connected. You take that analogy for the body of Christ. If you're not connected to the body, you don't feel the pain of the body. And I think, sadly, that's sometimes the reason why we stay disconnected is, and people don't get better connected is because we're scared of being hurt. Or we're scared of sharing our hurts with others because being vulnerable can be scary and being vulnerable can lead to us being hurt further. Or we don't, want to feel the hurts of other people because that's just hard work. <laughs> I've, got enough, I've got enough in my own life, in my own plate, thanks. I don't need to carry the hurts of others. But actually, we're called to that because we're a body. One, and, and, and I think what, is, what stops us from, from that is often, it's often fear, fear of being hurt or fear of having to carry other people's hurts. But 1 John four eighteen, I don't think I've got it on there, it says, it's the, it's the verse that talks about love and fear. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect 
and love. So there's actually no place for fear in the body. And you know how when you injure yourself and you're coming back from injury, often you have a fear of re-injury. And sometimes you will go into things kind of half-hearted because you're a bit scared of hurting yourself. But often going into something half-hearted is actually more dangerous than just going 100%. And I think sometimes that's like that for the body of Christ. We need, Yeah, we need time to heal, but then we just actually need to go back in, throw ourselves back in. Possibly some of you have been involved in churches before or you've even been involved here and you've been hurt. And then you've kind of, you know, once bitten, twice shy, you've kind of gone, well, I don't want to get hurt again, so I won't get involved in the body again. That's not how the body works. Most parts of our body get hurt at some point. But our body doesn't go, well, I've been hurt, sorry. I'm never going to function. <laughs> yeah, I rolled my ankle once. It's never going to work again. Like... How many know if every injury that you had never healed and you never, you'd just be a p- pile of bones? <laughs> like you would never be able to, to, to live. It's the same for us as the body of Christ. We have to be able to get, pull ourselves back up and go, yeah, I've been hurt, but hey, I'm ready to go again. I need to go again. And sharing in sufferings is actually a very, very scriptural thing to do. We are actually called to share in Christ's sufferings. Philippians 3, verse 10 says this, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Like We love the idea of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, but actually the flip side of that is it to enter into his sufferings. That doesn't sound like so much fun. Entering into his death. You go, well, how do I do that? You know, Jesus died a couple thousand years ago. How do I enter into the sufferings of Christ? Well, here's how you do it. You enter into the sufferings of his body. You enter into the sufferings of one another. Because in sharing those sufferings, you are sharing in the sufferings of Jesus. So actually, there's a biblical call to to grow, to become more like Christ, to share in his sufferings is actually to get alongside those who are hurting in our midst and go, hey, I you know, notice you haven't been in church for a while or you've, you seem to be struggling and, you know, can I help you? Should we meet up for a coffee? Is there anything I can do? Is there something going on that you want to talk about? Can I pray for you? Whatever it is. But we need to, to enter into one another's sufferings. Because how many know we all have hardships? Every single one of us every week have things which are hard in our lives. We face physical and mental and emotional and spiritual, relational challenges, all of us. And we need to enter into those with one another. Now, I'm not saying you need to all be counselors. I'm not saying you all need to be like professional helpers to one another. We're not called to do that, but we are called to be friends. We are called to show an interest and to care for one another. And actually, I think our empathy for one another is a sign of the health of our church, whether we actually are caring. So that's the first part of that little passage, entering into one another's sufferings. And then the second part, and sometimes I think this is even harder, if, it says if one part is honored, 
every part rejoices with it. Often it's easier to commiserate with someone's failures and their, their, their shortcomings than it is to celebrate their success. Is it just me who feels that? Oh, it's just me. Okay. It's just, just my... I'm, 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 I'm doing worse than I thought. <laughs> you guys are far more holy than I realized. I won't probably... I'll just skip this part. <laughs> no, I think I'll just go over it just for my sake. Um, see, possibly some of you also relate. Um, but it's human nature. It's not pretty. But we often, you know... We find it hard to celebrate someone's success, especially if it's in an area that we also are trying to succeed in. Or we are not feeling like we are succeeding in. Yeah? Like, okay, here's a hypothetical situation. So um, if Ben, oh, Ben's not here today, um, but I'll, I'll talk about Sam, his brother here, uh, is here. Because if Sam starts winning lots of bike races and... Uh, You'll be like, you'll be like, hey, great, Sam! You're doing really well. Well done. Um, that's awesome. And it'd be easy for you to celebrate because you have absolutely no chance of winning those bike races <laughs> with Sam. <laughs> but if I'm in those same races with Sam, and he is winning these races, and I am getting spat out the back, and I'm turning up last, how many know it's a whole lot harder for me to go, yeah? Go, Sam! I'm celebrating with your wins. How many of you know that's true? And it's not just for me. But how many of you know that that's... Uh, I said it's a hypothetical situation. <laughs> I just said it back, clarify. No, actually, it's not. Sam could. Um, but we, it's interesting. Like when it's someone else's success in an area that we are trying to succeed in, or we care a lot about, then it, it is an act of will for us to go... Yay! Good for you. I'm going to celebrate your win. But the thing is, actually, that's how the body works. Because when Sam succeeds, I succeed. And when I succeed, Sam succeeds. And when you succeed, I succeed. And vice versa, because we are one body. And it's a hard concept to get our heads around. But actually, we need to learn to celebrate. With one another. Like, I think actually we need to exercise these, these things, this entering into people's suffering and entering into their celebration with them. Because I think it's not something naturally we find easy to do as humans. So we actually, I would say, this week even go away and think, man, how can I help someone who's doing it hard at the moment? Who can I call up? Who can I shout a coffee? Who can I give some chocolates to? Who can I just send an encouraging text to? Who can I lift up who might be doing it hard at the moment? And likewise, who's someone that I think, man, they're really doing well at the moment. I want to celebrate how they're going. I'm just going to send them a text and just say, hey, well, you are doing, I'm just being so impressed with whatever it is. Or I'm going to just buy them a gift or just do something nice for them, not because, you know, they're struggling, but actually to celebrate how they're doing. To say, yeah, you're doing well. I'm going to just give you a card and just celebrate who you are. Because I think that is how the body operates. You know, when, when, when Valerie Adams' right arm is injured, 
her whole body feels it. And when her right arm wins a gold medal at the Olympics, her left arm does not go, ah, (laughs) stink. (laughs) No, it celebrates along with it. As do every other part of her body. And I think that's how we should be. Yeah, we, we mourn with those who mourn. We grieve with those who are grieving. We, we, we suffer with those who are suffering. We get alongside them and we, we sit with them. And often you don't even need to say anything when they're really suffering. You just need to be there and say nothing. And sometimes you read the book of Job, but sometimes it's better to say nothing than have some trite things to say. But actually we're called to, to enter into one another's sufferings, to enter into another one another's celebrations. Can I invite um, keys up? Be awesome. And no, I'm not inviting myself up. Uh, I've sorted this beforehand. It's a bit awkward. Um, I want to finish with a passage of scripture that is it's so rich. I just want to read it to you slowly, and I want us to sit with it. It's um, in Ephesians 4. And the first part of it is a bit we talk about uh, quite a bit. Uh, about in equippers because it's Ephesians 4 um, where it talks about um, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and that's where the equippers um, ethos come from comes from that idea that we that my role is to equip all of us to be doing the work of the ministry um, but there's actually a whole lot to it and, it and it goes on. And so I want to read it to you from the Passion Translation. Um, just it puts it beautifully. So uh, just sit back and listen and let this speak to you in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists and some with grace to be pastors and some with grace to be teachers. That's that fivefold ministry. And and their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man or woman, but the image is the body, so a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken or troubled by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into Him, the anointed head of His body, the church. For His body has been formed in His image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. 
and every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. It's an amazing picture of what the church could be, of what the body of Christ is to be, a unity together under the headship of Jesus. He is perfecting us together. He, we will no longer be immature. Like, that would be great. <laughs> I just think for myself. We, there's, there's no, I love also, there's no private spirituality. There's no sense that I'm, you know, I have my own wee relationship. No, actually we grow together as the body of Christ. Such a beautiful picture of the church. And that's what I want us to be. That's the, that's the dream, I guess, of us as a body, is that we are loving one another. We are growing together under the headship of Jesus to become more like Him. We don't have a... Uh, like a membership structure in our church. We're not one of those churches that vote on things and we have membership rights and all these kind of things. Um, and that's fine. I, I think that's, that's actually good. Um, but, I, but I do realize that in this world that is so individualistic, that actually sometimes it's good to just stop and draw a line in the sand and make a commitment and say, you know what? It's not like we're taking an oath or anything, but I'm committed to this body. I'm committed to this group of fellow believers because I realize that it's only in this space that I'm going to grow. I, I can't do it by myself. And, and I, I would love us to to just pray together and in a sense recommit ourselves to one another. You're not committing to me. You're not committing to equippers as a brand. No, we're committing to one another as the body of Christ and saying, yeah, in this place, I'm going to be together with one another. I'm going to be a body part. <laughs> I'm going to be a hand or a foot or an eye or an ear. I'm going to fulfill my role towards one another and I'm going to enter into the struggles of my fellow believers and I'm going to share with the joys of them as well because this is my family this is my body and and I wonder and if you're if you're not if you're not comfortable to do that if you're a visitor here or you're just new here I, I completely understand um, there's no compulsion here for you um, there's no compulsion at all actually but I wonder if if you could you could join with me and pray together out of a heart that says, yeah, you know what? I want to commit to this family. I want to commit to this body because I know that as an artificial limb, as a limb disconnected from the body, I can't do what I'm called to do. I can't be who I'm called to be. So if you can do that, I, I just invite you to stand with me and we're going to pray together. If, if not, that's fine. I understand. But if you think, if you consider Timaru Equip as your home and you want to commit to this body of believers together, then I encourage you to stand and we're going to pray together 
and commit to one another. Maybe actually just reach out to the person next to you. Maybe put your arm around them or put your hand on them, depending on how well you know them. (laughs) But we're a body here together. Let's connect with one another and let's pray. Father, I thank you that you've called us to be a body under your headship, Jesus. And Lord, we know we are just a tiny little drop in the bucket of the, the global body of the church. But Lord, we know that we are an expression of your church here in Timaru and South Canterbury. And you've called us here for such a time as this. And God, we commit this morning to being your body. We commit to one another. We commit to serving one another. We commit to loving one another. We commit to suffering alongside and to celebrating with one another. Jesus, we thank you that you died for us, not as individuals, you died for us as a community. You died for us together as the body of Christ. We thank you for your sacrifice. And Lord, we give ourselves collectively back to you this morning. We are yours. Guide us, we pray. As the body follows the guidance of the head, guide us as your body, Jesus, we pray. In your name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, there's one more group of people I would love to pray with. And that's if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you haven't given your heart to Him, then if you're here and you want to do that just with every eye closed and head bowed, I want to give you that opportunity. We do this every week and it's an amazing time because this is the moment when when God can change the whole destiny of a life. He can change the whole destiny of your future, not just for now, but on into eternity. So if, if there's anyone here you're like, you think, man, I need to get my life right with God. I'm not in connection with Him. Then I want to pray for your salvation. I want to pray that you will come to know Jesus, even as so many other people in this room have. Is there anybody here who'd like to do that? You can raise your hand. I'll see it.